I want to talk about the idea of starting where you are. I, I say that a lot, start where you are. And it is the title of the very first Buddhist book I ever read, that I ever that I remember reading. And I read it like back in the 90s. And um, it's by Pema Chodron. The official title is um, Start Where You Are, A Compassionate Guide to Living. I lent the book to somebody decades ago, and I haven't seen it since, but um, I just remember the impact it had on me. I, I was running around waving it in people's faces going, this is, this is how I want to live my life. This is how I want to live my life. And I didn't do anything until years later when I finally found a teacher and really dove into the practice. I dabbled, but that was like the entree and, and kind of really pushed me in the direction. And, you know, I, I often say start where you are. It's, it's an, it's an, really powerful idea if you think about it. I often talk about it when I'm talking to people about this journey to liberation because there's this sense that folks have, and I, I have it too sometimes in the back of my head, that we have to get somewhere before we can start. We have to read a few more books or go on a few more retreats or get better at meditation or do something before we can get to where we're really serious about practice or it is more meaningful. Uh, but it's really, we don't have to be anywhere other than where we are. And in fact, we can't be anywhere other than we, where we are. In our minds, of course, we're somewhere. We can be multiple places. I can be multiple places or we can be in the future, the past. But all we have is right now. Because our suffering, our dukkha, our discontent is also right here. Our joy is right here, too. Everything is right here. The mind takes the experience of the moment and does whatever it does with it. But we have to remember to reconnect, which is why I love the first foundation of mindfulness. Because it's a practice of grounding. It's a practice of feeling your foot on the ground, feeling your, your butt on the cushion or just really feeling yourself connected to the earth ultimately. And so when we, usually when I'm talking about start where you are, it's when people are struggling with something. And so we have to start with the dukkha, start with the discontent, you know, begin to recognize it. Where do we stumble? Where do we get hung up? What are those painful beliefs and stories we hold? You know, what, what, can't we get rid of it's you know as um, I was reading something the other day that talked about this along those lines we have these beliefs like um, not good enough not smart enough not this enough not that enough and and truly we are enough it's just the stories that tell us we're not like I, I say often that my mother told me that I was really uncoordinated and so I grew up believing I was uncoordinated until I realized I actually wasn't uncoordinated um, and it's like, sometimes it's like, like a real wake up when you have this sense of, oh, this is not true, but that requires being present. That requires being where you are. So you can begin to see that the story is one thing and the reality is something else. But we have to really be willing to investigate what keeps us stuck in this merry-go-round that, that 
we go in and out and back and forth and over and over and over again, that hamster, that hamster wheel of life, to coin a phrase, I guess, um, you know? So we get stuck in this place of discontent. The Buddha would say we are an uninstructed worldling. I love that phrase. You know, we're just, un we just are just walking around doing our thing, not paying attention. Um, and that's where we start. We start right where we are. We start with this mess. There's nothing wrong with it. I, I do, even though I don't have the book, I still have a couple of quotes from it. And one of them um, is, we would like to believe that when things are still and calm, that's the real stuff. And when things are messy, confused, and chaotic, we've done something wrong, or perhaps somebody else has done something wrong. Instead of just recognizing that this is, this is the way it is. And when you finally begin to recognize the dukkha, and I say dukkha because I, I find it's easier than saying suffering because not everyone relates to the term suffering. Um, discontent, it's that unease. It's, it's whatever's bugging you at the moment. Um, it's whatever you wish was different. That's dukkha. Um, you know, once we recognize the dukkha, that's where the work is. And the other thing about starting where you are is uh, that you don't have to do everything all at once. That's this other idea that it's like, okay, here's this stuff I got to take care of. How am I going to take care of this big ball of stuff? Rather than saying, you know, what's getting in the way right here? What's getting in the way at this moment? A friend of mine recommended a book called, I guess it's really popular right now, it's called Atomic Habits. And it's like how to change habits. And I was kind of, re I got it at the library and I was, I was reading it. And the first one was just, you just I think I was laughing because it's basically start where you are. Although he hasn't said that yet. Um, you just you just find instead of doing ginormous changes, just do incremental things. Just just change things increment incrementally, one little thing, one little thing. Whatever whatever is getting in the way, we fix one little thing. Just as we cannot take on the problems of the world, we can't. You and I cannot solve racism or the patriarchy or the problems of capitalism or you know, climate change, but we can do things. It's impossible for one person to do everything as much as we'd like to be the hero and, and save the world if they'd only ask us, but they haven't. Um, so all we can do is the little things. And um, I find these teachings to be really helpful. One of the, one of the ways that one of the one of the teachings is that's really helpful is the hindrances, which are um, in the in the in the fourth foundation of mindfulness. There, the which is the mindfulness of the dhammas, and that's the four noble truths and the factors of awakening and the aggregates and the sense spheres. And one of them is the, is the hindrances, and it's like recognize where you're stumbling. So there's all these places, but it boils down, the Buddha boils it down, you know, he talks about the three defilements, greed, hatred, and, and uh, ignorance, delusion. And the hindrances kind of 
broaden it out a little bit, it's, it's like the hindrances are what keep us from liberation or keep us from awakening. And they're craving, wanting, some, wanting to be good all the time, craving for sensual, sensual pleasure. You know, I want the good smells and the good food and the good sounds and the good, every, the good sensations. I want it all good. And, of course, it's impossible to have that all the time. Or ill will, the other side of that coin, you know, ill will, just being pissed off or angry. It's, you know, and I, I mentioned last week, Buddha, I think in my talk, Buddhist personality types. And Buddhist personality types are the greedy type, the aversive type, the deluded type. And they talk about how do you know if you, if you walk into a room and you go, oh, that's nice, somebody's house. And you go, oh, I love the way you've done the place. What a beautiful lamp. I love that carpet. How can I get some pillows like that? That's the greedy type. If you walk into somebody's house and you go, I can't believe their taste. Oh, my God. That's the aversive type. And then if you walk into somebody's house and you don't even realize they have anything on the walls or they trip into tables, that's the deluded type. So that's a very simplistic way of looking at things, but it can be helpful to recognize it's like, oh, are you always wanting more and more and more, I have that tendency, we have, we, we are part, they're all, we have all of them, but sometimes we have tendencies in one direction or others, I know folks who are quite aversive, and I tend to be quite greedy, I want all the stuff, I want all, not stuff per se, but I want to do all the things, and, and so to recognize that when I'm maybe stuck in wanting something, I wish I could do that, or I wish I could do something, or I wish, I wish, I wish. Oh, it's the best thing in the world. This would be so great. Oh, that's craving. How And that's dukkha, that wanting things to be a certain way. How do I tend to that, you know? So there's craving, there's ill will, there's restlessness and worry. There's dullness, this... Sometimes we numb out. Sleepiness, sloth and torpor is one of the hindrances and it's often talked about as sleepiness, especially during meditation. But it's also how do we numb ourselves? How do we, you know, drugs and alcohol and all those things that keep us from feeling and being present, shopping, working, whatever it is. How do we numb out? Solitaire, um, you know. And so we have to begin to recognize that. And we recognize the dukkha is there because we're stuck in this place. You know, if we don't recognize it, we're doomed to repeat it. We're just stuck in that cycle of samsara, that merry-go-round, that hamster wheel. Um, and so starting where we are is starting with that dukkha. Grief, sorrow, fear, something that may be beneath the surface, you know, Oftentimes, when these feelings that are uncomfortable show up, we think we have to fix them, we think we have to get rid of them, we think we have to do something about them, they're unpleasant, we don't want them. And again, that's what keeps us stuck, too, getting into this aversive relationship with discomfort. We stuff it down, but instead, the invitation is to open up towards it as best we can in the moment. The Buddha said we have to know this dukkha. We have to know suffering. We have to know the cause of suffering to know the end of suffering. And then we know the, the path that, of practice that takes us out of suffering. I, I was looking for Ajahn Chah's quote 
um, he talks about this too. We have to really understand and know our suffering, our dukkha. Um, not that we wallow in it, but that we have to face it, perhaps the first time. Turn towards it and say hello. And recognize perhaps we've been running from it for so long. I mean, often the roots of our dukkha are buried so deep because who wants to come face to face with this stuff? It can be scary. And we don't know how to do it, so we just start where we are. It's like putting a toe in the water. And one thing I have to say, that the necessary companion for this journey is compassion and gentleness and kindness, which is why I often say during meditation instructions, soften, be kind, be gentle to yourselves, let go of the judgment, because all we can do is start with where we are. I mean, if we haven't seen something or haven't been able to face something or turn towards our deep dukkha, we're not going to just get over it in a day. It's going to be a journey, but we start right here. And then when we, we, it's like we take one step. We're not going to see the whole road. We're only going to see the next step. And so we just stay right where we are and move slowly. Move slowly. What's getting in our way? Maybe it's impatience. Maybe it's just we're stuck on a particular story. You know, Sometimes we... Um, we use the, I think what's helpful is to use the teachings like the Eightfold Path um, and wise view, seeing clearly what's going on. Oh, here's this, I'm stuck in this story again, or I, I, I'm stuck in that craving, whatever it is, whatever you recognize as your dukkha. And then set an intention to move in a different direction. And then I really find helpful the uh, wise action. Sila, this how to live with integrity because it takes in speech, uh, communication. It takes in, you know, it basically takes in how we live in, in community with the rest of the world. Uh, speech and um, not taking what's not ours and not causing harm and being wise with our sexuality and, and um, not, not ingesting things that lead to heedlessness, whatever it is we consume. And that includes reading, what we read, what we listen to, as well as what we take um, via our mouth. So to really be willing to, um, I, f I find, the, or to, to stay this course. And also, again, recognize we're not going to be perfect. We didn't get here overnight. So if we stumble and fall, that's where we are. Then we pick ourselves up and we move. What's the wise choice? What's the wise thing to do in this moment? If we're, if, we're, if we're impatient, which we cultivate patience. I like, the, I like the teachings of the paramis too, these 10 qualities that are suggested that we need to develop for our awakening. And there's patience and generosity and wisdom and energy, determination, loving kindness, equanimity, patience. Patience is only necessary if we're not happy with the way it is right now. I love that that definition or that idea. It's like, oh yeah, if everything's great, I don't need to be patient because I'm cool. But to recognize, ah, if you're being impatient, oh, what's getting in my way? Start right here. What's helpful in this moment? And I find that question, what gets in the way, to be a really important companion to start where you are. You know, what's getting in the way? 
if you have this idea is like, I'd like to be a person who's not impatient, what's getting in the way? I'd like to be a person who is, you know, walking through the world with, with some equanimity. What's getting in the way? I'd like to really turn towards my um, discomfort. What's getting in the way? You know? How do you touch the suffering that leads to the end of suffering rather than the suffering, the dukkha that creates more dukkha? Because we have to touch our dukkha in order to move away from it, but that requires to have our eyes wide open. There's also dukkha that we're, we have our blinders on and we're just going to keep repeating that cycle. So we have to touch the dukkha to move away from it. Start where you are. What's getting in the way? You know? And I think along with that, my favorite right now, it's like this. That is the pause sometimes that's so helpful. Okay, right now it's like this. Stop, breathe. What is it? What's happening right now? Where am I in this moment? What's coming up? What emotions are taking over? What's choking me? You know, what's causing my teeth to clench and my, my shoulders go up around my ears and my temperature to rise or whatever it is or what's, what's causing me to put, my, put my, my jacket over my head and skulk away? You know, what, what is going on? And sometimes we don't know for a day or two. That, for me, it, we used to, and even still sometimes, it takes me a while to really um, have some comprehension about what's going on. And that's fine, too. That's where I am. That's where you are. So this, this, there's a spaciousness in this practice. There's a real openness to allow us to be fully in the messiness of our existence and the messiness of our humanity. You know, we learn to pause, to be present, to feel, to turn towards without needing it to be different. And all walking hand in hand with kindness and compassion. So, and again, it's not about achieving anything. It's not about getting to a place and arriving. It's about where you are right now. Maybe letting go, maybe being at ease, maybe being at ease even if it is uncomfortable because you can greet the discomfort with kindness and compassion, making space for it. You know, years ago, um, I, I was reminded by, of this story, a while ago, my husband was really, 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 really sick. He was in the hospital. It was really scary. This was like, I'm counting the years, and I go, oh, I can't believe it's been like 18 years. So um, that this happened, and I was, I sat down to meditate, and it was like the, there was so much stuff coming at me. I was like, I couldn't do it because I, I heard a teacher, Sally Armstrong talked about how our feelings and our emotions overwhelmed our mindfulness. Sometimes that happens. And so it's like, okay, that's where I am right now. Maybe sitting practice isn't the best thing. Maybe walking, maybe doing the dishes, maybe just doing something else. That's fine, but to have that awareness is really important. And then fast forward 15 years when my husband was going through some more health stuff and I was able to sit with it. It's like, okay, here are the feelings, you know, what's going on right now? How can I be 
And there was a big, I noticed the difference for me was a big, uh, the capacity to be grounded and be really connected with the somatic experience that was going on. That was a big difference in those, those 15 years. But we start where we are. That's all we can do is start right where we are. There's nowhere, nowhere else. So be gentle with yourselves as you do this. You know, allow yourself to just fall down and then get up again and stumble. And, and, but just do the best you can with what you have and the time you have where you are. So thank you so much, my friends, for um, always, always, always your kind attention. I really appreciate it. I appreciate all of you. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystankavich.org backslash support. Thank you.